Hello, friends, and welcome to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. It is great to have you here with me along for the ride today. This is episode number 19, and uh, we are calling it Jesus and His Upside Down Kingdom. But first, have you checked out the Advent bonus episodes these last couple of weeks? I'm having a lot of fun with those. Um, Advent is the four weeks leading up to uh, Christmas, and we are entering into week three this week. So there are two um, bonus blog posts and podcast episodes up over the last two weeks um, that kind of talk a little bit about Advent and a little bit about Christmas, and maybe even focus on some things that we don't typically focus on. Like, you know, usually we talk about the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Uh, but last week I talked about John the Baptist and how Luke and his gospel um, does not refer to John the Baptist as John the Baptist, but as John the son of Zechariah, and uh, why that is of the utmost importance for us in 2018, and especially during the Advent season. So I leave us with some encouraging things, some challenging things. I think it would be great if you went over and checked it out. I think you will be um, encouraged for sure. Um, Also, I put out a request, and I will put it here again. If you could, um, when this is over, go to iTunes, wherever it is that you're listening to this, and leave a rating, drop a comment, um, because that helps people find the podcast um, on iTunes or whatever it is that they're looking. Um, The more ratings there are, the more comments there are, uh, the higher it goes, the easier it is to search. And uh, then when people come across it and they see the comments, they kind of know what to expect um, going in. So if you could do that, that would be a very helpful thing for me. You can consider it your Christmas gift uh, to me this year. That would be amazing. Um, But for now, this is episode number 19, and we are calling it Jesus and His Upside-Down Kingdom. Oh, and I should say one other thing. I told you about that Mark paper the last bunch of weeks that I've been working on for the last two months, maybe. Um, I wrote a theology paper on the book of Mark, and um, it came out a lot better than I thought it was. It reads probably more like um, a gigantic blog post that I would write. Uh, so I'm going to attempt over the next week to record that and release it to you next Monday, which would be Christmas Eve. So that's going to be my Christmas Eve episode, I think. Um, it probably be closer to an hour in length. Um, not sure. I'm going to try to do it. We'll see where it goes, and uh, we'll f- go from there. If not, if there's something else up there, then you know that it did not work the way that I wanted it to, and I will attempt to do it at a later time. But next week, we're aiming for the Mark Theology paper. Um, look for that, and um, at the very least, I will probably um, at least post it on the blog if I don't get it up on the pod cast. So, Jesus and his upside-down kingdom. Uh, We're going to start today's uh, episode by going backwards a little bit in Mark's gospel so that in just a few moments, we can go forwards into this week's story. And I should explain what that means. That sounds weird. Um, But last week, we we talked about the time that Jesus shared his last supper with the disciples just before the crucifixion. And it was an event that took place in Mark chapter 14. Today, we're going to talk about a scene from the day of his crucifixion, so Good Friday, where Mark tells us in chapter 15 that Jesus was crucified 
in between two thieves. But uh, before we jump into chapter 15, we've got to go back a little bit to chapter 10, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. It'll all be a whole lot more clear in a few minutes. Um, chapter 10, Mark tells us that the disciples were headed to Jerusalem when James and John came up to Jesus with a uh, rather, I guess you could say, odd and weird uh, request. Teacher, they said, we want you to grant us whatever we ask for. Uh, to which Jesus responded and said, what do you want me to do for you? The response was, grant us uh, that when you're in your glory, let one of us sit on your right and let one of us sit on your left. Classic, right? In other words, Jesus, we want, we want some power. That's what they were really asking for. And we've had your back for a few years now. Uh, we kind of want a piece of this pie. We're tired of working for free. Now that your startup is off the ground, you know, you got things up and running, we want our cut. You know, we've sacrificed so much. We've been your best disciples. We've hung on your every word. We say our prayers every day. We're obedient. We've lost family and friends because of our allegiance to you. And now we want what we clearly deserve. Some power, some prestige, some authority in your kingdom. The disciples thought that because they were Jesus' disciples, and because they had followed him and obeyed his commands and grown and matured and evolved in their understanding of God and faith and their place on earth, and because you know they took the heat from the Pharisees and they had left family and friends behind to follow him, you know, well, they thought that they deserved places of power and honor and greatness when Jesus finally came into his, his glory. Now, there's a subtle lie that they bought into there, right? And I wonder if you see it. It's very clear to me. Um, it's one that we, we all buy into, I think, at some point or another as church people or followers of Jesus. And the lie is this, I'm due, right? Like I'm better than them because I have stronger faith. I go to church more than he does. I've studied more than she has. I've gone on missions trips. Um, I've volunteered at youth group, sing in the choir. I tithe my 10%, meet with my pastor every week. Bible study, Sunday school, church, the whole nine yards, right? Clearly, I have it together. And clearly, I'm a strong, serious, committed follower of Jesus. My crown will most likely be a little bit bigger and a little bit brighter than everybody else's, right? Because, because I'm one of God's favorites. And so let one of us sit on your left and one of us sit on your right. And I tell you this story from Mark 10, because in Mark 15, we see Mark referring to the left and right of Jesus again. But this time, it's when he actually comes into his glory, which was an event that took place uh, on Good Friday on the cross. And this is what Mark says. He says, along with Jesus, they crucified two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. This is brilliant writing by Mark. Because if you've been following the previous blog posts and podcast episodes, like the last 19 of them, right? Uh, we've seen that no matter what Mark writes, no matter what kind of story Mark tells, there's always something else going on beneath the surface. Again, in chapter 10, he referred to Jesus as left and right when the disciples asked to be present with him in his glory, holding positions of power and authority in his, in his kingdom. We want power. We're due. We want a slice of the pie. We want to be generals in the army. We want honor. We want the spotlight. Then in chapter 15, 
Mark refers to Jesus' left and right again when he comes into his glory on the cross. But here we find two thieves occupying the places that the disciples thought would be reserved for them. On his left and his right are not disciples, not church leaders, not super spiritual people, not doctoral students, not seminary students, not pastors, but two thieves, right? The lowest of the low. A couple of guys who messed up big time. Two men that were considered to be so bad and evil and messed up that the Roman government could think of nothing else to do with them but kill them alongside the rebel rabbi Jesus. They, says Mark, held the positions of power and authority and honor as Jesus came into his glory, not the disciples. So what's that mean for for you and me? Well, there's a few things that I can think of. I mean, there's probably a lot, but here's just a few off the top of my head. Uh, For starters, Jesus' kingdom is big enough and grand enough to include even the people that the empires and powers of the world exclude. And more than that, just as Jesus' arms extended to those outcasts who wandered the earth, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the lepers, the sick, the demon-possessed, so his arms continue to extend and bring close to him those who are outcasted, even as they and he alike breathe their last breath. Yes, his kingdom is that big and that inclusive that no one is ever too far gone No one is left out. A seat is forever reserved for everyone, everywhere. Second thing, Jesus' kingdom is upside down in the sense that the positions of honor aren't given so much to those who expect it and think they are due or deserving of it, but to those who don't expect it and would assume that nothing is due to them. In Jesus' kingdom, the lowly are raised up, the proud are cast down. Those who are on the outside are brought inside, and those who think they deserve power and position don't get much, while those who don't expect it and don't ask for it, uh, they get plenty. In other words, maybe Mark tells us about the disciples wanting to be on Jesus' left and right in Mark 10, only to show us two thieves on his left and right in Mark 15, because he wants his readers to know that the Jesus in his narrative is one who operates on a different level than the kings of this world and and the in the kingdoms of this world, and that his kingdom is one that is unlike any kingdom that the world has ever seen. And the third thing, uh, there's a challenge there for you and for me, right? Because as representatives of Jesus's upside down kingdom, you and I are responsible to bring his kingdom to earth right here, right now, today. His kingdom isn't some faraway place, some foreign land that will one day come and destroy the earth. But his kingdom, rather, is one that he began to bring to earth uh, some 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead. Uh, One that he will bring with him in his fullness when he returns, when he comes again. And one that he has tasked uh, you and me with bringing more and more to earth with every word we speak and every move we make today. So what are you going to do today to bring the outcast in, to welcome the outsider to spread your arms to include someone who has been pushed away. Maybe it's a neighbor who never leaves the house. Perhaps a friend who has no family around during this holiday season. Maybe it's that coworker that no one can stand. Maybe it's an immigrant in your neighborhood. Maybe it's poor people in your neighborhood. 
What would it look like for you to include them as you follow in the footsteps of the one who includes everyone everywhere? What would it look like for you to include them in your holiday plans this year? Maybe buy them a gift. Maybe invite them over for dinner. Maybe drop off some Christmas cookies, bake an extra batch. Maybe leave a special Christmas card in their mailbox. Maybe buy them lunch, bring them coffee, pay for their groceries, invite them out for coffee. Right? May the, I don't know what it is, but there's something that we can do right, to bring the outcasts in. The outcasts might look like a variety of different people, people who for whatever way have been pushed to the outskirts of their part of the world. Maybe the outskirts of their family, of their community, of your circle of friends, of your workplace, whatever. What can you do to reach out to that person today, this week leading up to um, Christmas? My prayer for you is may the divine spirit of Jesus guide you and speak to you this week as you come into contact with all different kinds of outcasts. And may you respond to them in the same way that he models for you and for me in his upside-down kingdom. Much love to you, my friends. Uh, Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by the What If Project podcast today. It was great to have you here, and I really just appreciate your, your support. And hey, if this encouraged you at all, if it challenged you, if it pushed you, uh, challenged you in your perspective and how you understand the Bible, I would just ask that you head over to your podcast Uh, listening platform of choice, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening to this now, and uh, leave some feedback, leave a rating. Um, Those ratings definitely help because it helps uh, bump the podcast up a little bit in iTunes, um, and it gives people also a little bit of a kind of a look as to what to expect when they read what other people are saying about it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fantastic. Also head over to the Facebook page and um, you can go to Facebook, type in What If Project, the page will pop up. Give it a like, feel free to join in whatever kind of discussion may be going on there. And also keep an eye out uh, for the upcoming online small group. Right now we're in the middle of one for Mark. Uh, There will be coming another one later on, probably very early in the new year. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, all of the things will be up, pointing you in the right direction, and it would be great to see you there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.